Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the last episode of the small group reading intervention routine series. Um, Before I dive in and forget all about it, I do want to remind you that if you have been listening week after week and you have been thinking, hey, I need to download that free week, I need to download that, I need to download that, make sure you go to the show notes and download it. That way you can get access to that free week and see a lot of what I'm talking about. Especially today as we talk about reading fluency, there are two pieces where I talk about progress monitoring that you're going to want to actually see what the heck is she talking about so that it can kind of make sense and be something that you use in your classroom. We obviously know that reading fluency is important. If it takes you five minutes to read a very short passage, chances are you have forgotten what the beginning says by the time you finish. If it takes you a long time to read a chapter of a chapter book for a homework assignment, if it takes forever in a day, you're probably going to forget about it by the end. Or you've spent so much time decoding, so much time trying to figure out what some of those big words are, that you don't even know what that story is about. So I feel like all teachers know reading fluency is important. And my first strategy or my first tip or idea, you're going to be like, thanks, Amanda. A whole lot of help that one is. But I think one of the easiest things that you as a teacher can do is to model great fluency and model the times where we all screw it up and misspeak or read the wrong word, things like that. So while this may not be anything game changing, I do want to encourage you to model great reading without getting on my soapbox, without trying to rant or get anybody worked up. So much of like what school was when we were kids has changed. And we know that. That's obvious. But I remember the stories that my teacher used to read out loud. I remember the voices that she used or the characters that she portrayed all while reading one chapter of a book. I loved that. My One teacher in particular, I really loved to listen to them read out loud. And with that, we have to do the same things for our kids because oftentimes they are not hearing that in their gen ed classrooms anymore. And that's not a slam on any teacher. We all have like 901 things that we have to do and time for like 100 of those things. I actually had a teacher earlier in the school year, like right at the beginning, She apologized to me because we were waiting on one thing to get started, you know, one schedule to get kind of worked out. And so the time that I was in there for a few minutes, she was reading out loud to her class and she was just kind of wrapping it up. And she was one I love to listen to read. And she apologized for 
reading out loud. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to fill this little bit of time. And I said, oh my gosh, don't ever apologize for reading out loud to your kids. A, because you're really good at it. But also, they need to hear that. Um, At our school, we have a lot of English language learners. So just hearing and being exposed to language and things like that are wonderful. And for our students with language goals or they're working on becoming better readers, you're teaching them so many skills without even knowing it. You're practicing listening comprehension. You're showing them how great and wonderful reading is. Um, For so long, this is even me as a young learner or, you know, in elementary school, I didn't love to read. And it wasn't until really probably I was older and reading novels I never should have read in high school. It wasn't until then that I realized how amazing books actually were. And I think some of that was when I read, I wasn't reading anything that I liked. The stories in the weekly readers sucked. They weren't anything that like kept you going or had a cliffhanger or any of those things where you're like, ooh, what is going to happen to her tomorrow? Oh, how are they going to solve this problem? And when we are reading good novels to them or good, even short stories, we are teaching them that reading is an amazing thing. And it's something that it's always better than the book, but something that can be a great experience. It's something that you enjoy, but you have to dive in. You have to realize the potential there. And a lot of our students are really, really good at understanding things that are read aloud to them. So play to that strength. Work on reading comprehension skills while also reading out loud to them. There was another soapbox moment. Okay, I like a read aloud, okay? I want to hear it. I want to see it in classrooms. And don't apologize for it. Even if your teacher read aloud is you reading the reading passage from your leveled reader before your students read it. That's okay. That is encouraged. Now, strategy number two or kind of idea, things that I implement in my room is every single time we read, we always talk about getting better, a growth mindset. Our first read should be the worst and we're going to get better and better and better. We talk about that all the time. And even times when we're not practicing fluency, my kids will refer to like, hey, I used to not know that word, but now I do. Or, oh, when I read that by myself, I said blah, 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 or, or whatever. So I think it just really encourages, or, or if we set the tone for, I don't care if you read nine words in a minute or 90 words in a minute, did your score improve? Did you get better? Did you realize what questions you could ask? And a lot of my kids, when we first started, like started reading out loud, they magically read so many more words than when they read with me sitting next to them because they thought, I've got to fake it. I've got to get a big number. Everybody else is going to get a 15. I've got to get a 15 as well. I can't settle for reading five words or everybody else is going to get like 40 words. Oh my gosh, I'd be embarrassed if I had only 10. So they faked it. They magically get all these words. But then when I sat next to them and their score was significantly lower, we had serious talks about that. We also talk about, you don't know every word in this text and that's okay. What's important 
is that you underline those words or you stop and ask for help or you tap on the word so that I can help you because we get better when we're attempting to learn, asking questions, doing new things. So to me, I think just having conversations with your kids about, yeah, you know what? Sometimes our reading fluency is really poor, but we can get better at it. We can practice it and improve over time. I also think one really, really big thing that I have started doing, and honestly, I started doing it because my kids are getting older, This year, all of my kids are in fourth grade and we sometimes don't pause at a comma or stop at a a period or, um, you know, bring our voice up when we ask a question. And so to me, it's important to talk about those things. And honestly, I wish I had done it sooner because I think they could have handled it, but I didn't even do it. So talking about punctuation, talking about what should our voice be doing or not doing, if it's a stop or a pause. Um, what do those quotation marks do? What, you know, what, what are the jobs of all of those things so that when they see it, they know what they're supposed to do. And that's something that a lot of learners kind of pick up without being explicitly taught. Just in passing, they realize it. But for a lot of our kids, they don't. Maybe it's because they're focusing so heavily on the words. Maybe they're having trouble tracking. There could be a variety of reasons, but they need to be explicitly taught that and then take the time to practice or when you see them do it, praise them, point it out um, because it's important. I also like to highlight if I make an error, if I go back and self-correct. If I read a sentence and, oh, that doesn't quite make sense. Or sometimes if a student does that, I might point it out. Or a lot of times as they're whisper reading, if I notice things like that, I may not say, hey, Amanda did this and point it out and call that student out. But I might say, while you guys were whisper reading, I noticed that somebody did blah, blah, blah. And that is a great job. That is exactly what you should be doing. Realizing that that word didn't quite make sense and going back and self-correcting and thinking about like, oh, maybe I misread that word. Maybe it needs an ending. Maybe there's something that I read incorrectly. But again, I think that takes some intentional conversations, some things to talk about with your students so that they're aware. Like even me, I misread words all the time. Usually it's because my brain is distracted and I'm thinking about what I need to do on my prep and I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about that and this student is flipping their pencil and it's driving me bonkers but I'm trying to ignore. I have a lot going on and I misread sentences and I tell my kids that. I tell them that when my brain is thinking about other things, I screw it up and guess what? Sometimes your brain might be thinking about something else and you're going to screw it up and you've got to be aware Or sometimes, you know, we get distracted and we're watching somebody else and we're not really paying attention to those things. Notice when you get distracted and come back and reread. Fix some of those mistakes, that kind of thing. Have real conversations with your students about things readers do. With reading fluency goals, I feel like I write probably very basic generic goals. For my students, a lot of them will either be words per minute. How many words per minute can they do? So we might be working to increase that. Or we might be working on their accuracy. So 
Let's say, I'm gonna use the number 100 just to have nice even numbers here. Let's say you have a student who reads 100 words per minute, but they had 10 of those words that were not even correct. Their accuracy rate was really only 90%. They only read 90% of those words accurately. So maybe you wanna increase that. Or maybe they're at an 80% accuracy. You want to see them get to 90%. Maybe you don't even care about the accuracy as much, but are they going back when they realize that word or that sentence or that phrase didn't quite make sense? Are they using some of those strategies that we've talked about in our groups? So I think words per minute is the easiest, but at the same time, we don't want to just encourage more, 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 and then increase all of our errors too. We don't want to be like, read so fast that you screw it up. So choose kind of what works there. And then in my goals, I like to define what kind of passage are we reading? Um, at a previous district that I worked in, they did weekly cold reads that were timed and that was part of their grade, kind of that accuracy portion there. And that was a really great way for me to progress monitor quickly and easily because they were already doing it. But that also meant that when I wrote the goal, I needed to say that it was on a grade level passage. It was something that they were doing in their classroom and I was just kind of using that data. And the things that we were doing at their own level were obviously helping improve that and it did over time. However, that's far different than if they're reading two grade levels below and you're reading that kind of passage. So if they're in the third grade, but they're reading a first grade level passage, that's fine that you write that goal, but you might say that. And a lot of times I don't say at a first grade level or a second grade level or at a 1.5 or any of that. Oftentimes I say at their instructional level because we know that their independent level and their instructional level are two very different things. Um, their grade level is may be the same or may be different. And so what are they able to read in a small group where, yeah, there might be a few words that they don't know. It's their instructional level and they're there with a the teacher. That might be what I define. Maybe I wanna use their independent reading level. All of those are acceptable. All of those are totally fine but just define what you want to use whenever you're writing that goal. And for me, I progress monitor those in my group because a lot of my fluency goals are at their instructional level. So in the leveled readers that um, I use in my room for two days, day three and day four, we are rereading passages from day one and day two. And with those, we're just trying to improve our words per minute or maybe our accuracy, that kind of thing. And we do that on day three and day four. So I can collect the data just by being in that group on day three and day four. Oftentimes I see, let's say I have five kids, maybe only two or three of them actually have fluency goals. So I care about everybody's, I wanna see everybody's, but I might make that first read student number one who actually has that goal and student number three who actually has that goal. And then I'll focus on two, four, and five at later readings, but I really kind of want to get that first read 
sitting with me. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's what I strive for. That's what I would like to do. And so I just sit one-on-one with that student. I watch what what they're doing, what mistakes, are they really like speeding through it? Did they get 25 words when they read by themselves and now we're at like 10 or 15? What are they doing? And I get an accurate number and I record that on my clipboard. What I love about that is it's already part of our routine. My kids don't even really know that I'm progress monitoring them or that that's gonna be something that's reported to their parent because it's just what we do. That's just what they've been trained to do each and every time we do fluency. Oh, who's Mrs. Wilk gonna sit with today? Or who am I going to listen to this time? It's just our routine, that's just what we do. So the pressure's not on that like, oh my gosh, this is for a grade, or oh my gosh, my mom's gonna see this on my progress report. It's just another day in the group. It's just what we do. And I kinda think that's the perfect place to conclude all of this, to conclude this series, especially in regards to progress monitoring. Everything that you're doing, try to find a way to make it just something that you're doing every day. You don't have to. It's not a requirement, but it's certainly going to save you time, your sanity. It's going to make things easier for you in the long run. If when you're writing those IEP goals, you think, oh, well, fluency, that's going to be easy because we already do it two days a week. Don't write that they have to read for five minutes or answer these comprehension questions about this or that or the other if that's not what you're doing every day. You're going to make your own life harder that way. Find ways to simplify. One of the ways that you can do that is to download that free week of reading intervention. That way you can start matching some of your students to the reading levels that are included there. And I really think you'll see, oh, I could progress monitor a lot with the things that we're doing every single day, the things that I described in this nine episode series. And the perfect part about that is then you'll be on my email list. So if I send you an email, you can hit reply and you can ask questions. Hey, how do you do this? Hey, what would you do about that? Hey, what level is this or that? And chances are I either have a blog post or a YouTube video or, or something like that that I can share with you to help further improve your routines and improve what you're doing. And not that that means that any of the things that you're doing are wrong, But special education teachers have so much on their plate, so many things to do. And I think that other teachers don't realize that. Other teachers don't realize that, you know what, I am on from, and I say on like as in I'm in teacher mode my entire day. From the time my contracted time starts to the time my contracted time ends, I'm on minus my 40 minute prep or lunch. Um, But... I don't have time where my kids are just on their Chromebooks working on iReady or on their Chromebooks working on extra math or IXL or reading silently. I don't have that downtime in my room. I don't have time to knock out a five minute task here or there or send an email about this or that while my kids silent read. That's not a thing when all you do is pull small groups. How do you get some of those little things done? Well, it eats up your entire prep. You come in early, you stay in late. How do you do paperwork and lesson plans? Special ed teachers have a lot. And this has really helped save the lesson planning time of special education teachers. So that then your prep isn't all about lesson plans. It's about paperwork and getting all that crap that you used to take home with you, getting it done during your prep. 
So I was not planning on going on that rant, but here we are. I want you to download that and I want you to ask questions. How can we make things easier for you? How can we save time? And I will see you in the next series where, hey, you know what? I'm recording this on November the 8th. I don't know what's coming next. So we will see. And if you have any special requests, make sure you email so that I can include those in maybe the upcoming season of the podcast. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.